1: Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com.
0: It is necessary that the
2: sense of competitiveness among the major nations
0: of the world does not become a wall between them.
3: Over the past decades, citizens and workers have been calling for change, but too often their pleas have been ignored. Too many politicians become disconnected, refusing to really listen, but that approach can't and won't cut it anymore. If we commit ourselves to make our current globalization more fair, sustainable, in favor of middle classes, if we commit ourselves to enable our youth. if we commit ourselves to take into consideration long-term and complexity of our decisions so we can converge and build a new globalization understandable and good for our people, resuming this great idea of progress.
4: As President of the United States, I will always put America first, but America first does not mean America
3: alone.
2: This is the Global Goalscast. Well, as a fact, it is the Davos Cast, because this is a special episode in which we're going to be sharing with you our takeaways from the World Economic Forum's annual meeting 2018. We will be sharing with you our observations, the clips that we think represent what happened during the week, and also some of the greatest moments that we thought it's important to share out with the world. And what a week.
5: World leaders warning that globalism is running out of steam and Donald Trump says what's good for the United States is good for the world. The big conversation here this week relates directly to global goal number eight, committing the world to creating decent work and economic growth for all.
2: But actually, it it is even bigger than that. David Navarro, who was the undersecretary general for the United Nations to promote the Sustainable Development Goals, stressed to us here in Davos that all the goals Fit together
4: you can't take different aspects of people's lives and say we will work on them separately because everything really is connected up and so although there are 17 goals when you study them you find that everything relates to everything else mm. if there's not peace You can't have prosperity, if that's not prosperity. Women and children can't be healthy. Mm. If women are not empowered, you can't have good nutrition.
2: All the major leaders here, Edie, talked about this interdependence, how to keep growth going, and how to share the benefits better. With Donald Trump at one end of the argument, saying every country should fight for its own interests, and Emmanuel
5: Macron of France, Narendra Modi of India, and Justin Trudeau of Canada, all in different ways saying that globalization is broken and that the world needs a new, more equitable global system, or we will fragment and fail. Joining us later will be two insightful observers of the global economy. Jimmy Wells, founder of Wikipedia, and of course the omnipresent Richard Edelman. You know him, head of Edelman
2: Communications. Time to repair the roof when the sun is shining. I'm borrowing from John Fitzgerald Kennedy. He actually focused his speech and opened his speech, focusing on the next generation. In this moment of global growth and European recovery, we have an opportunity to do the difficult things which might otherwise go undone.
5: on. So,
2: Claudia, we heard Christine Lagarde open
5: the whole session of the World Economic Forum talking about fixing the roof when the sun is shining. And I imagine that means the economies are working, but there's a whole
2: lot that's not working. Is that hard for world leaders to come here and here? Well, particularly because everybody was so optimistic about the world economy, how everything is growing, unemployment numbers have never been you know, like lower, and I think that there was a lot of optimism matching you know, like a lot of, okay, we need to fix this situation, globalization um, is not really working, uh, there's a better capitalism that needs to happen, but I'm not sure we got the answers. We'll play for you some translated clips from India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi, also Canada's Justin Trudeau, American's Donald Trump in his own voice, no translator, and France Emmanuel Macron, which is also translated.
0: I see that many societies and countries are becoming more and more focused on themselves. It feels, it feels like The opposite of uh, globalization is uh, happening. Everyone is talking about an interconnected world. But we will have to accept the fact that globalization is slowly losing its luster.
3: Progress of any kind takes hard work, but by thinking big and working together, we will build a better world.
4: When people are forgotten, the world becomes fractured. Only by hearing and responding to the voices of the forgotten can we create a bright future that is truly shared by all. Unless I give a meaning to globalization, if I cannot explain to people that it's good for them and that it will help them uh, to develop uh, their own lives in five, ten years, 15 years' time, they will be the nationalists, the extremists who want to get out of the system, and they will win, and it will happen in every country.
5: Have a listen to what Ken Roth had to say. He spoke to me the day before Trump spoke and after Modi did.
1: Modi came, um, the, the Indian prime minister, and, and trumpet you know, the great economic progress he's making, he talked about inclusive economics, but he utterly ignored the very divisive Hindu nationalists who are demonizing the Muslim minority in India and who are intent on getting anything but an inclusive political system. And I fear that Trump is gonna do a bit of the same thing. He's gonna say, you know, the American economy is booming and America First is working, but here he is, you know, building his government around you know, racism, misogyny, xenophobia, Islamophobia. He's not gonna address that stuff.
2: So Jimmy, Richard, thank you for being with us. You've been both here, coming to Davos from some time now, I think that it's like 20 years and 10 years or something like that. So what did you make of this year? So, Richard, let's start with you.
4: So the big reaction I have is um, a lot of optimism about uh, the global economy. Um, every country in the world, maybe with the exception of Brazil, showing strong growth. That's the first kind of coordinated uh, growth we've had since the Great Recession uh, in 08, 09. And so a lot of business people were very optimistic. And then on the government leaders, um, the frame of on one side Macron, who talked about the uh, need for a global trading system in which countries give and take. And then President Trump talked about America first in a very profound way and said obviously it's working because the stock market's at record highs 84 times and also that uh, record low unemployment rate for Hispanics and blacks and so America's a great place to invest. So it was really quite a contrast between the European view I guess and then the American view. The uh, ideas of uh, sustainability or of um, blockchain were of course present but they weren't as powerful to me as the contrasting messages of Macron and, and Trump.
5: What about you, Jimmy? What What were your main takeaways from this week?
3: Um, I mean, with Richard, I saw uh, a lot of optimism, uh, which always makes me a little bit nervous because when mm-hmm. Davos gets too optimistic that we have a financial crisis, <laughs> we always seem to get that wrong.
2: Sometimes they hit the theme better than others. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's completely off. For me, this year, talking about the Lef- Fragmenter and Fracture World was quite interesting and I felt it was put on. Is that what you saw during the week? A fragmented type of discourse. People say one thing and then another person doing another. Yeah,
3: that's interesting because I, I didn't take the theme of the conference to be fractured uh, world within the Davos community, uh, because I think one of the classic criticisms of Davos is a lot of like-minded people talking to each other, trying to save the world while being very rich. That's kind of the classic mm-hmm. put down of Davos. But I think outside, There is quite a fractured world and I do think it's something that this community needs to address and to think about is to say, look, there are very broken narratives in many, many countries where people can't even agree on basic facts uh, and that makes it very hard to make democratic progress, progress on the goals, um, um, all those things. So
2: is it because... You didn't feel a lot of dissonance because there's a, an etiquette that we felt that prime ministers and, and heads of state were all very worldly in their remarks as opposed to just like saying what their national I, narratives I, are. I,
3: I would have liked to, in, in the Q&A with Trump, I would have liked Klaus to ask him a question about a perennial uh, Davos issue like climate change. Mm. Um, he had an opportunity to not be insulting, but just to say, you know, uh,
2: What are your views on
5: climate change? change, Because he did (laughs) say some interesting things the other day after he'd come out of the meeting with the Prime Minister of Norway, that actually he thought there were some possibilities that we might accept some parts of the Paris Accord because it would Mm. be good for business.
4: Mm -hmm. Well, it's almost as if a lot of the countries are just leading and carrying on um, in sustainability because it suits them. Mm -hmm. And if it's China or if it's India, you're forced by air pollution to do this. Uh, Maybe
2: I'm biased because I love you both very, very much, (laughs) but I do feel that both of the conversations very central to the entire, both of your themes and conversations were very central to everything I heard in Davos. Um, Fake news, the need to actually be more transparent and factual, but also trust. And you launched the Trust Barometer uh, 2018, a couple of days before Davos. Uh, can you talk about the findings and what was the reaction of the Davos men and women to your findings on
4: trust? First, business is actually ahead of NGOs in many markets in terms of trust. Second, there's a clear sense of a return to expertise. Third, this polarization between politics, in politics particularly. And last, you actually see now that trust is not related either to economics or necessarily to an event uh, like a tsunami or something. Um, it's, it's actually something that is how the country feels about its institutions and whether there's reliable information, which is a
3: perfect segue to Jimmy. We're bringing together a wiki-style community with paid professional journalists uh, to work together to generate something new in the space of news and really want to be very neutral, very factual, uh, very evidence-based. But I think people really do feel that there is a bit of a turning point going on, that the quality, trusted news brands, are beginning to be very successful. New York Times has had a huge spike up in subscriptions because the public is really uh, coming to understand that the kind of information we've been getting across our social media feed hasn't been satisfactory. I know one of the, for me, one of the interesting findings in the trust barometer was that the decline in people's trust in social media as a Mm -hmm. source of information. People want experts, technical experts, academics,
4: even CEOs, those poor benighted fellows, um, are now seen as more credible. And actually most, Biggest change is 70 plus percent of people trust their employer the most. So, news from the company is suddenly something really important because it's close to home. It's like the news safe house um, for the employee. And two thirds of people also said they think business can make money and improve society. The same two thirds said they don't want uh, companies to wait, they don't want CEOs to wait, they don't want them to wait for government. Move, do stuff.
5: Can we just take the lens back and and think about what Modi said to start off the week? The implications of globalization is losing its luster. Yeah, we can't achieve the the global goals without collective action. So can can we achieve them without globalization?
3: It all depends on what we mean by that. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say in general, obviously no, right? We have to have uh, a global outlook uh, for certain issues like Uh, The climate, for example, you you can't fix the climate in just one country. It has to be fixed globally. Uh, On the other hand, what exactly people mean by globalism uh, is always different in different people's minds. And and what Trump put forward today as a in a a more positive way than he has in the past is this, uh, you know, idea of sovereign nations looking after their own interests, but looking for deals that are mutually beneficial to everyone. Okay, if that's your view of the rise of nationalism, it doesn't sound so horrible, as opposed to what I fear we've been seeing and will continue to see is the rise of a, a really nasty kind of nationalism, which is, um, I'm in it for me, okay. in my mm. country, and screw you all, uh, mm. not looking for win-win solutions. So particulate matter in San
4: Francisco mm. is going up because of coal plants in China. If you want a better symbol of globalization mm. and the need for some degree of harmonization of rules on... Pollution, that's it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, there's no helping uh, going around the idea that you have to have everyone uh, prospering and having some agreed rules.
5: We had Christine Lagarde saying, it's time to fix the roof while the sun is shining, which I guess means that there's something wrong with the roof, right?
4: I think the gap between rich and poor is huge. And more than that, there are new problems. Um, There are more people today, a billion people, who are obese, and that's more than malnourished for the first time. Hmm. That's a new fact. And so, you know, with, again, this sort of new prosperity, new middle class, et cetera, um, we do have to focus on these emerging issues.
2: I want to ask a personal question before closing, but, so, again, just because we just closed with President Trump, and I think that neither of us was surprised. And nevertheless, I wonder whether, you know, like there was something that you hoped that would be said. I was hoping that there was going to be in that narrative something about gender, for example, that he was Mm -hmm. going to use this opportunity to talk
3: about that. It didn't feel like a speech he came to give at the World Economic Economic Forum. It was a general speech about his policies and so forth. So that was a little disappointing. I I did, like you, I had hoped he would sort of uh, address the crowd more specifically on things that are of interest here?
4: I disagree with my friend on this point. I think Trump's worldview is that every country should follow the example of the United States. It's free markets, let, let uh, capitalism go, and it'll fix everything on the basis that it will employ p- poor people, it will train people, mm-hmm. just let the business people go. And
5: He did uh, say free, but fair trade. Yes. Fair, fair for trade America. means
4: fair in the sense of America gets um, its fair share of Hmm. trade, so for me um, the vision part of America that really has to be reinforced is about uh, values and democracy and rights and freedom and again in its most perfect expression business does that.
2: Last year Edie you and I were talking about like probably our highlight was having heard a global leader with mm. President Xi coming and actually just like stating mm. something so grand and so like profound and…
4: But I, I am sure that his view is I did exactly that and that you should follow the example of America and deregulate and have markets run and we'll somehow come to the right solution as opposed to this grand version or vision of harmony and… and you a know, plan. And, and a plan. And so it's two yeah. fundamentally different views of the world. Interesting.
5: A different world view than perhaps a lot of people here it's would naturally op- it's find. It's
4: the opposite of Davos, man or woman. It yeah. is. It is a you know hard charging, mm. you know almost a small businessman approach to uh, commerce, mm. and it's a view.
5: Thank you so much, Richard Jimmy, for joining us here to wrap up the week here in Davos. We'll let you guys go home and collapse and have a great year. So all of that, all of what they said directly ties to the global goals. To reach the goals, the world needs steady growth, more equal distribution, and relief from wars, whether
2: be those be wars with guns or trade wars. But the phrase, we are going in the wrong direction, was repeated a number of times. I heard
5: a lot of people who graced the studio here this week talking about climate change, talking about very specifically moving away from coal talking about fixing the way we produce food, talking about fixing the way we eat food and the way we consume. I heard a lot about the positive aspects of blockchain. I also heard a lot about the negative effects that the blockchain, that cryptocurrencies could bring just in terms of adding heat. I heard this, another great uh, comment from Kevin Delaney, the editor of Quartz said that for him this year at Davos, climate change and robots
2: are probably going to kill us but women and the blockchain are going to save us i also think that a big chunk of the conversation was regarding how do we bring the 50 percent of the world to be in a better place meaning talking about women talking about gender i think that uh, there was the same amount of conversations happening at the world economic forum as side events uh discussing Gender, girl empowerment, education, um, where a lot of the players that were part of those conversations were not members of the World Economic Forum. But overall, I think that the Me Too campaign, what I heard that was interesting was not only how much momentum it created, but also that we have to watch out that we're not overdoing it because there might be a backlash uh, on on reaction about like, Mm -hmm. and I did feel it even myself about like how people didn't want to have a one-on-one meeting with me, you know, like overall just like being very careful and very conscious about like, well, you know, like now we have to be over conscious and over careful. So, I also heard some stories about (coughs) men still behaving quite badly.
5: So I do think we have to be careful about that. Not only
2: the President's Club uh, story broke here while we were in Davos with, you know, like the, the London story. Uh, making it the most uh, popular story on the Financial Times in decades. One final point from me.
5: <clears throat> I spoke to Alicia Barcena, who was talking Barcena. about... Oh, for the love of God, I can't get it right. Barcena. Alicia Barsena. Alicia Barcena, who was saying to me that women are the face of poverty in Latin America. Right. For every
2: 100 men who are in extreme poverty, there's 118 women. Right. Okay, so I think that we're going... This is a wrap. Uh, we launched the Global Cast in the World Economic Forum this year. We're liking what we're seeing, which is people care more about these issues. We want to provide a platform to identify the champions that are making the progress, to make sure that we talk to the people that are making the effort, because getting to a better world requires a lot of effort. And we're gonna make sure that we will continue telling the story of those champions be individuals, citizens, companies or governments that are making it. So that was Eddie Lush, And I am Claudia Romo-Edelman. This was the Davos Goalscast, part of the Global Goalscast. See you next time. To make sure you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, subscribe to us
5: at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, you can also check out our dramatic episode about polar adventurers, Robert and Barney Swan, father and son team that walk to the South Pole using only renewable energy. And finally, for the latest news and developments, or to share your own stories, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Global Goals
0: Cast. Thank you to our partners at the United Nations, UNICEF, World Food Program, UN Foundation, SDG Action Campaign of the Office of the UN Development Program, International Office for Migration, International Development Law Organization, Malaria No More, Rollback Malaria, Project Everyone, and Public Foundation. We are also grateful for the support of Hub Culture, SAS, Cultural Intelligence, Freud's Communication, Saatchi and Sachi, Action Button, and of course, CBS News Digital. We want to recognize individual champions who have been supporting Global Goals Cast, including David Sable, David Jones, Will Lewis, and Seven Hills. And then to our amazing advisory board, Jacob Weisberg, Steve Rubel, Kate Stanners, Dolly Schoenfelder, Matthew Freud, Chrissy Tanner, Fawn Maturos Chatanan Sergio Fernandez de Cordova, Dinesh Piliwal, and Scarlett Curtis. The amazing music in this episode is courtesy of Peter Gabriel, Ashish Piliwal, and Andrew Phillips. And a special thank you to Harmon as the official sound of Global Goals Cast. And finally, none of this would have been possible without the support of our main patron and Claudia's husband, Richard Edelman, who has been the angel behind Global Goals Cast.
1: With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. every time plus you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to constant contacts best in class 97 percent deliverability rate i'm a small business owner and i believe that this is a great tool for other small business owners in small businesses you need to create a team and if you're starting by yourself constant contact can be the team that you need tackle any challenge with constant contacts expert live customer support